and I was lost as a manager. I wasn't sure what was really happening to the team, what the major issues were. And at the time, my manager helped me navigate this by giving me this great advice. Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Harold. And this is You'll Manage. Manage. That was my friend and former Uber colleague, Tomas Campos. And as you heard, he has some great advice to share with us today. It's the one question every manager should ask. We sound just like clickbait. Well, you're listening, so I guess it worked. Well, I don't want to ruin a surprise just yet, but the advice is all about avoiding surprises at work. And at work, surprises are generally not a good thing, unless it's a birthday or a bonus. But more often, it's a bad surprise, like someone quitting when you don't expect it, or someone giving you feedback that seems to come out of left field. So today we're going to talk to Tomas about how you can avoid these surprises, avoiding both being surprised and causing surprises for others. Welcome, Tomas. Thank you. Welcome. Great to be here. Our guest today is Tomas, and he and I worked together at Uber. Hi, um, guys. I guess you, you went on a trajectory of starting out from the ground level at Uber and then eventually managing cities and, and large teams. Can you just give us a really quick summary of what that journey was? Sure. I started at Uber when the company was only in one international market. Uh, it had only expanded to Paris at that time. So I really was fortunate to come in early and just try to hold on for my life because it was incredible growth. Uh, before I started at Uber, I was here in Hong Kong starting my own business. And when I heard about the opportunity that this company was going to pay me to start up their business all over the world, I shut down my business and got rid of my apartment. And within two weeks, I was on a flight to meet my friend Sam in Amsterdam. And that was the city that he was uh, launching at the time. And after that, we launched Singapore together. That was my training market. That's where I kind of learned the ropes. Launching is very much uh, a mentorship process. Uh, there is a internal process and a checklist that we follow for every launch. But if you were to do it by yourself for the first time without some guidance, it'd be, it'd be really difficult. Uh, after launching Singapore, went to the US, I went to Prague. I spent some time launching Indianapolis, Honolulu, Houston, launched Brazil. Eventually, I made my way back here to Asia, launched Uber Eats in Taiwan, uh, in Korea, and a couple other launches in between. So then that means when you were at Uber, that was really the first time that you got to experience really managing people. So how many people, like what was at the peak, how many people did you actually manage? And, you know, you mentioned that you launched in so many different cities. So were they all in one place or, you know, was it multiple geographies at the same time? I was probably one of the least experienced launchers that Uber had hired. Launchers uh, are responsible for, for hiring an entire team, training them, and making sure that the team is performing really well by the time that they leave the city. And they're actually expected to do that in a pretty short period of time. A launch could be as fast as two months. So usually it takes a little bit longer, but you do have to figure out how to manage teams, how to manage teams in different cultures, how to manage teams that are facing different challenges. Certain cities have challenges in terms of acquiring drivers, acquiring clients. Some cities have PR challenges. Some cities have technological challenges. You have to work with engineers. So every Every new place that we went to was a little bit different. That's one of the things that, things that I loved about the job. It was really dynamic. So you were basically just thrown into doing all the things that managers have to do on day one, like you mentioned hiring and everything. So thinking back, what was the most daunting thing that, you know, you're just like, wow, I have, out of all the things I have to do in launching a city, this is probably the part that I just have no idea or the most challenging. When I was launching Korea, that was 
a very, very difficult managerial challenge because corporate culture there is very different. And I found that a lot of the information that I would usually pick up on, I wasn't picking up on anything. For example, what would well, be the usual stuff that you think that even you even things gone? like like tension uh, among team members, people getting in each other's nerves uh, because it was a different language, because I wasn't familiar with mannerisms in a workplace. I would often be surprised. Someone would tell me, well, you know that this and this person like are having a really hard time getting along to get this project done. And I had no idea. So I found myself in a situation whereby I I didn't speak the language. I couldn't understand team dynamics. I was in a totally different corporate culture and I was lost as a manager. I wasn't, wasn't sure what was really happening with the team, what the major issues were. And at the time, my manager uh, helped me navigate this by giving me this great advice, which was, why don't you sit down with everyone and you ask them like, what are your expectations of a manager? So I, in my next one-on-ones with them, I, I, I took some time and I asked him, Hey, what are your expectations of me? And this was one of the most interesting exercises I've ever gone through in my life. Everyone had different expectations and I could not have guessed what those expectations were. What do they say? Some people expected uh, very little. They just expected, Hey, like, I want you to tell me if I'm doing something wrong. That's it. Other people, they had expectations that were a lot more hands-on. They're like, hey, I expect you to coach me to become better at my job and to provide me with resources so I can learn. And what came out of those conversations were individualized plans that then uh, I carried out with each one of my um, each one of my team members. And you never had to do that before this experience in Korea? Like how different was it like in terms of their responses to that answer or how you had to manage them? They were really different. And I think I've never had to do it because I never asked. I think people can go on for for years and a manager won't know like what their team members really care about, what they want, what they want from the manager. And sometimes I think one of the challenges with having these conversations is that People want different things and often what they want isn't exactly aligned with what the company wants. But I found that by listening to what people wanted to to achieve in their careers, what people wanted from their managers, that I could still do all those things in parallel uh, with their work. So to use the example um, of one person who wanted more training, we started looking for training materials and we started looking for ways that she could complement this area in marketing that she was more interested in. And for the most part, this was something that because they wanted this, they just went above and beyond to, to, to learn it. And often it required quite a bit of extra work as a manager because you have to create an individual plan for each person or you have to cater to each one of your team members for them to to succeed in ways that aren't exactly what you want them, what you would like them to be focused on. But I think that's the reality of, of, of working with people. In the end of the day, if a company is focused on employee development and making sure that employees are happy and making sure that everyone is growing, then you have an entire organization whereby people understand what you want to achieve in an organization, but they also feel like they're growing and that they're being listened to. And I think that I would like to believe that that improves satisfaction, that it improves retention, um, and that it just makes us more understanding of each other and thus able to know what people's strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what their aspirations are, and compose teams in better ways. 
it sounds like before you you had made some assumptions in other places about what people expected. And it was almost like you were forced to ask in Korea because your guesses weren't close enough to reality because of the cultural divide. But does that mean afterwards you discovered, hey, this is a question I should ask everywhere. Even if I think I understand a culture, I, I need to ask this question. Exactly. And in places, I'll give you, so when I was launching Brazil, mm-hmm. I spoke the language. I was born in Brazil. And for the most part, when you're so connected with the people who you're working with, you get a sense for what they want. And I think that what ends up happening is that people you end up making assumptions. Oh, I think Paulo wants this, or I think Felipe wants that. And for the most part, you're right. But the problem is that you're often wrong and you often aren't sure about the details of exactly mm-hmm. what they want. And I would really encourage people to just ask and not to assume. So if I could go back to Brazil, I would ask him some of the questions that I asked the team in Korea. It's like, hey, so I think this is what you want, but you tell me, is this right? And I think that if I were to have gone back, they would have provided me with either a much clear idea of what their career aspirations mm-hmm. were, uh, or they would have simply shown me that I was wrong. And no, it's such like a low know. investment question, like doesn't take a lot to ask it, but then somehow it feels, it just doesn't come to mind, I guess, in terms of a type of question you would ask, unless you went through that whole Korea experience, it seems. In general, I think we have a bias of modeling other people based on who we are. Yeah, I, maybe that's know. the flaw. That's the reason why we don't ask because we just think, okay, yeah, this is how I feel. So this is how they should feel. Yeah, I'm I'm going to work really hard to get promoted because I care about X, Y, Z. I can't believe that person doesn't care about that. What do they care about, you know? <laughs> so yeah. people, people have different priorities. Um, and in the end of the day, people are very different. So one of the lessons that I really took was don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions about what people uh, want, what motivates them, just ask. And you'd be surprised. People really open up. Um, it, may, it takes a little bit of practice to to sit down with them, make sure that they're comfortable and get them to open up. But it's very rewarding. And it's also it also makes the team a little bit closer when you really understand each other uh, better. And it's it's it, it, the, the entire process feels more human and, and more natural. Was there a time where months later you wish you had asked that question at the beginning and you, you learned a hard way? There was, there was one assumption in particular that I remember that really did not work in my favor. I was managing a brilliant operations manager and high-performing operations managers at Uber were pretty quickly promoted to seniors and sometimes they even made it to general managers. And I thought, this guy's going to be a general manager in two years and he's so good, I want to take him with me on my next launch. And... I'm going to give him the opportunity to be the first person in the team. He's going to be the most senior person. We're going to hire more operations, more marketing managers. And then he's going to take over and be the general manager when I leave. That was my plan. I was sure that he was going to go along with it. And when the time came, I gave him the opportunity and he said no. And I was baffled and asked him, how can you not take this opportunity? This is the fast track for you to become a general manager, for you to get paid more, for you to succeed in this organization. And then he said, well, like what I'm really excited about is to go to this other region because that's where my family was from. And that's where I want to build Uber because it's where it's going to have the most positive impact. And I should have just asked him months ago, <laughs> hey, what do you want to, what do you want to do after this role? You're doing really well. Do you want to come and build this other region with me? 
And I would have, I would have known that he was not going to take, take that opportunity. And I should have uh, instead been on the lookout for other people to bring onto my team. So what ended up happening to him after he shared that piece of information? Like, well, he was great. And I was, I was going to support him fully regardless of whether he was in my team or someone else's team. So I had the pleasure of calling my colleague uh, at the time, Michele, and I said, Michele, Felipe wants to join your team. And he was like, great. Uh, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. He's incredible. You're so lucky. And he's like, okay, great. Well, let's bring him <laughs> onto the team. And then two months later, he calls me. He's like, dude, thank you. Wow. <laughs> he's amazing. And I'm like, yep. And I think uh, he's, uh, he's still managing that region or he definitely spent many years uh, focused on, on building out Uber in, in, the north, uh, in the northeast of Brazil. So you've got the question, what do you expect from me as your manager? How often do you need to ask it? At least once a quarter because expectations change, career plans change, company goals change. And you can't ask it every week because if you ask someone what they expect <laughs> of you as a manager, and, and you ask it again next week, either it's because you forgot or you <laughs> asked and you haven't done anything about it. Right. So I think the process is you ask someone what they expect of you as a manager. They give you, spend some time thinking about how you can help them. You try things out, you see how it goes, and then you measure and you see how much progress you've made. And that, that process usually takes at least two months. So I would say once a quarter, definitely twice a year. And if you're doing it less than twice a year, it's because you hopefully understand exactly what that person expects of you. And you've gotten to that point where you don't need to have that conversation as frequently, but I would say once a quarter. And in your experience, does it change often? It does because as someone is progressing in their career path, people have different needs. Sometimes it's quite consistent. If they have a very ambitious goal, then it might take a longer time to to achieve. But sometimes what they expect be something really small and really easy to knock out. For example, once my team was frustrated because they felt like they were doing amazing work, but it wasn't getting showcased enough and it wasn't getting recognized across the company. Um, that was easy to solve. During the next weekly call, I started talking about all the awesome projects that my team uh, mates and my reports were running. And requiring the, and asking for the respect that they deserved across the organization. And they felt really happy. And that was one of the expectations that they had uh, from, from their manager. And that was done within a week. So on to the next one, right? So sometimes it can be something really small that can make a big difference. Sometimes it's something really ambitious, like I want to switch into a different role. I want to move to a new country. I don't know what I want to do. Help me figure it out. And uh, as a manager, the more tools you have, the more reports that you've had in the past, the easier it's going to be for you to satisfy all these different requests that you're going to get. And they're going to be very varied. I'm curious about the flip side as well. Like thinking from a manager's perspective, but thinking about your direct reports or as someone who has a manager, we all have managers. Is it also like, should he have just told you from the start? Is that what we should walk into the room with our managers and be like, just so that you're super clear, you never asked me, but this is what I want and this is what I expect from yeah, you. Yeah, like whose responsibility is that to have that conversation? You can make it yours. I think a lot of people are scared of sharing what their plans are. Yeah. Because there is some risk to it. Maybe your manager is hoping that you are going to take on a specific role or help with this project in the future. And then if he or she finds out that you're not interested, then maybe you take second place, at least in the short term. And I think that's that's a real fear that people have, but 
I think it's going to serve them this justice in the long run. So basically you're saying they should be open to just proactively coming to you and say like, this is what I want. I think so. I think you need to take charge of your career. The manager is not going to be able to perfectly guess what your career aspirations are, uh, where you want to be in your career. There is a right way to do it. The right ways to have these conversations. But if your manager is not doing it and you're not doing it, then it's not going to happen. Right. And, and you're both going to find out the hard way yeah, sometime both, later. Exactly. Because I think what ends up happening in a lot of organizations is that no one has a conversation. Eventually the employee gets tired and quits and the manager is like, what happened? And if they do have the conversation during the offboarding, they may find out that prisons decided to quit over a year ago. And it was because he or she felt like things weren't going the right direction, but the conversation never took place. If the manager is not doing it, I think that you should take the initiative and take that leap of faith. You were talking about when you're a launcher, you've got this checklist, a, a playbook. How do we launch a city, right? That playbook, I'm guessing, is a playbook about operations and, and how to do things. Is there anything about management or hiring in there? There are a lot of managerial processes in the playbook. Okay. For example, weekly meetings. And then there's a structure mm. for how you should run those weekly meetings. Okay. Not only the weekly meetings that you have with your direct reports, but also team meetings. What should people put on the slides? What are the important metrics? What do you talk about first? How do you compare how your city's doing with other cities? So there's there's a lot of that intelligence that's been built into the checklist, mm -hmm. into the processes. So it gives you a good starting place. The metrics also helped a lot because in many organizations, performance and improvement can be opaque. But that was not the case with Uber because we had data on everything that was happening in the company. We knew every week how many people were signing up to use the app, we knew how much money they were spending. And all of this data was tracked to see how people were performing internally. Were they growing the business quickly? Were they growing it a lot faster, a lot slower than another city in the same country? So I think all this performance information made everyone very connected to the numbers and allowed us to, to track performance. And when you can track performance that closely, I think it helps to create that culture. It's like, it helps with accountability, right? Because the numbers are there. You can't hide from them. You either deliver them or you don't. Um, so maybe that's how people were just really driven. Exactly. If a city wasn't doing well, the entire team knew about it. And the entire team knew that their sister city, which is just a couple hundred miles away, that they found a way to succeed during that week. Or if there was a, a big rainstorm that another city was able to manage that. I think it's almost like assumptions and expectation setting, they go in both directions, right? So not only do you need to ask your direct reports, what do you expect of me? You need to be super clear what you expect of them. And you can't assume that they know as yeah, well. Yeah. So when you talk about the launcher's playbook is like so granular as to what's on the weekly team slides, that sounds like it's, it's like so random. But what it is, is we are communicating to the team what's important, what you're expected to deliver. And that expectation is super clear of them and that lets them run. And even, I think one of the most important things uh, as a manager is to think very, very clearly about what the metrics and what the metrics are that you set for your reports and to very, very clearly define what success means. 
And because even in a company like Uber, where we have a lot of data, we have a lot of metrics, sometimes I was looking at one metric and my report was looking at the other metric. And even that small difference in terms of expectation can create a lot of friction. So it's very important to be very clear in regards to what success looks like, to try to quantify it. And one of the mistakes that I've made many times was to simply assume that by communicating what success looked like, that that was enough. I, I think that you, you need to write it down, you need to send an email, you need to document it. And it's only when you document it and people agree on it that everyone's on the same page. Because it's very easy for you to be talking over a meeting and say, oh yeah, this is important. Yeah, this is important. And everyone kind of nods their head and like, okay, we got this. And then the following week, it's like, oh, this is good, but it's not my definition of good. You know, everyone had amnesia and forgotten everything that was discussed. Or they heard what they wanted they to heard hear. They, they heard what they wanted to hear. Or they, or they, they just had different expectations and different ideas. So the, the clearer you can be as a manager, the better it is. And in order to be clear, you have to write it down and it, and it has to be shared and people need to acknowledge that they've received it. That was my experience, especially in a really fast paced environment where there's so much happening. It's very easy for these details to get lost. And it's especially helpful if you're able to consistently define performance in the same way. As a manager, it doesn't help if you're changing what good performance looks like every week or every month. It's important to know what's really important to try to stick to it and to give people enough time to move the needle for what you've, you've decided that that person is in charge of and has ownership over. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hopefully uh, you guys found this helpful. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you. You know, it seems like such basic advice, but setting clear expectations both ways is actually something that's so easy to get wrong or forget. And like we said at the beginning, you know, you end up getting these these bad surprises. Yeah, and I think because it's so basic, our default is just to assume that what we want is also what our team wants. But a lot of times that's actually not true. And we might even feel embarrassed to ask. It can seem like a stupid question. We're supposed to know what people want and what people expect. And and when we don't know, especially if it's someone that we've been managing for a while, you know, it, it can feel silly to ask them and check in. But after talking to Tomas, I thought about it myself and I really realized that I, I might not be able to answer this question for um, all the people that I've managed or am managing. And it is something that I should just be upfront and be able to ask them and say, hey, you know, I just want to be really clear. What do you expect from me? Yeah, and I think there's two aspects to asking that question, right? So first, it's about understanding their expectations of how they want you to manage or coach them. Do they want you to be more hands-on or do they want you just give them more space and autonomy? And the second, it's about their expectations of what goals you should help them achieve. Do they care about a promotion or do they just want a transfer to a different department? Or maybe they just want more international exposure. Yeah, maybe they just want a mix of things. One model I've um, been looking at recently is something called the SCARF model, which kind of breaks down the different things that that drive people, that motivate them, that they're threatened by, for example. So each letter stands for something different. S stands for status, C, certainty, A, autonomy, R, relatedness, and F, fairness. So that spells SCARF. And I think it's easy to assume people care about certain things like status, um, like they want a promotion or autonomy, like they want more responsibility. But if you're a manager and you assume that, you might run into some problems. So uh, for example, maybe someone cares a lot about relatedness. I know that's actually something I care a lot about. 
at work and they care just as much about feeling a sense of belonging, feeling personal connections at work. And sometimes a promotion, while it can feel like to you, a pure good might be threatening to them because they feel like, oh, this is disrupting my relationships at work. It's moving me um, to a place where I'm away from my friends. And that's something to be conscious of. You know, maybe it's not a reason not to give someone a promotion, but it's something that you want to help them navigate. Um, so it's useful to look at all of these different dimensions and talk through it with your, your team members. And if you want to learn more about the SCARF model, we actually put more um, information about it in our episode notes on our website. That's youllmanage.com. So I think that brings us to our two key takeaways for this episode. First, the very simple question, but important question of what do you expect of me? And that's the question you want to know the answer to for all of your direct reports. And if you don't know the answer, find out. Don't make assumptions. Make sure you ask that question directly of them early on and regularly because it might change. And definitely it should change because if it doesn't change in a year or two, it means you haven't done a good job delivering what they expected. And second, I think we have to remember that it works both ways. So we also have to set clear expectations for them. Don't assume it's obvious. Even at a company like Uber, where they were very clear and had prominent business metrics that everyone was working towards, there was still a lot of room for misinterpretation and misalignment. So spell it out, document it, and check in regularly. And speaking of expectations, do you know what we expect from all of you as listeners? We expect that you're going to subscribe and give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell us your expectations of what you want to hear from our podcasts. Send us your feedback and questions to feedback at youllmanage.com. Until next time, we're here to reassure you, you'll, you'll manage. manage. Still listening? Here's an outtake from this episode. As a manager, you were allowed to give uh, free ice cream to your friends. So that was a real perk. Yeah. And I got the experience, which, which is good. I know you now. I know exactly of, what I was going to say. Back then. Yeah, Can you yeah. go back to being <laughs> yeah. an ice cream shop manager?